Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. I pray that you're well and that you had a wonderful Labor Day. I know many of you had three day a three-day weekend, which is really wonderful. Um, the children are back to school, and many schools started again um, this season, uh, this past month of August. Um, but I hope you're well, dear ones, and trusting in God and knowing how much He loves you. He does, He does. And um, I'm with you live today. You'll be able to call in with your questions, your text, emails, um, uh, anything that's on your heart. Um, we began yesterday in our pre-recorded program uh, for Labor Day, the um, Pope Leo XIII's uh, encyclical on labor and um, uh, for Labor Day. And it's it's I, I find it. Uh, really wonderful. Um, let me see now where we where we left off. I'm not quite sure. I'll start here. Um, he says, in addition, in, and and in addition to injustice, it is only too evident what an upset and disturbance there would be in all cases, and to know. Uh, uh, let me just see something. We're talking about the slavery of citizens. Um, let me just see something here. I'm sorry. I uh, I didn't keep a note on where we were. Um, I need to look for it. I think I'm okay. I think we're okay. Um Let's just see the page before. I've got to pick up on where we were. Um, So let me backtrack one here. Um, Pope Leo says, The contention that the civil government should, at its option, intrude into the exercise, uh, into and exercise intimate control over the family and the household is a great and pernicious error. The family and the household. We forget that, beloved. You know, it, it. we set up institutions to help us, to protect us, uh, and then we forget why they're there, and we let them control us. And they lose sight of why they're there. They don't even want to know why they're there, and uh, just assume to control us. It's not what God set up. It's not how... Any government was set up to begin with. Pope Leo um, says that um, if if a family finds itself in exceeding distress, utterly deprived of the counsel of friends, and without any prospect of extricating itself, it is right that extreme necessity be met by public aid. 
since each family is a part of the commonwealth. In like manner, if within the precincts of the household there occur grave disturbance of mutual rights, public authority should intervene to force each party to yield to the other its proper due. See, it's for justice. Our government intrudes with injustice. The government is there for justice, for protection, to uphold the family. This is not to deprive citizens of their rights, but justly and properly to safeguard and strengthen them. But the rulers of the commonwealth must go no further here. Nature bids them stop. Paternal authority can be neither abolished nor absorbed by the state. Do you listen to this? We've just finished talking about the evil of sending your children to public school. Hold on one moment. Okay, we're good. Um, uh, Parental authority cannot be abolished or absorbed by the state, for it has the same source as human life itself. The child belongs to the father and is, as it were, the continuation of the father's personality and speaking strictly, the child takes its place in civil society, not of its own right, but in its quality as a member of the family in which it is born. And for the very reason that the child belongs to the father, it is, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, before it attains the use of free will under the power and the charge of its parents. The socialists, therefore, in setting aside the parent and stepping up a state supervision, uh, act against natural justice and destroy the structure of the home. You see, beloved... Um, we're looking at a political system here and looking at uh, candidates for the future, uh, the majority of whom um, are advocating socialism in one form or another. It is an evil system. It, it, It will be part of what destroys the family. There are very sincere candidates who think it's going to be good for the people, and they are deluded. These are not um, individuals who have the family first. They have the state and individuals, not the family. Pope Leo goes on to say, and in addition to injustice, it is only too evident what an upset and disturbance there would be in all classes, and to how intolerable and hateful a slavery citizens would be subjected. The door would be thrown open to envy, to mutual invective, and to discord. The sources of wealth themselves would run dry, for no one would have any interest in exerting his talents or his industry. And that ideal equality, that ideal equality about which they entertain pleasant dreams would be in reality the leveling down of all to a like condition of misery and degradation. Beloved, this is the socialism that has ruined every society that is communistic, 
look at Venezuela today, it's utterly destructive and evil. It destroys the family. It destroys the individual. It destroys civilization. Hence, Pope Leo XIII says, it is clear that the main tenet of socialism, community of goods, must be utterly rejected, since it only injures those whom it would seem meant to benefit, is directly contrary to the natural rights of mankind, and would introduce confusion and disorder into the commonweal. The first and most fundamental principle, therefore, if one would undertake to alleviate the condition of the masses, must be the inviolability of private property. We must have private property. We must have entrepreneurship, um, uh, private business. We must, beloved. This being established, we proceed to show where the remedy sought, um, the remedy sought for must be found. We approach the subject with confidence and in the exercise of the rights which manifestly appertain to us for, um, manifestly appertain to us, uh, that is a, a capital U, uh, the Holy Father is speaking of himself, for no practical solution of this question will be found apart from the intervention sorry apart from the intervention of religion and of the church it is we capital w the holy father the magisterium it is we who are the chief guardian of religion and the chief dispenser of what pertains to the church and by keeping silence we would seem to neglect the duty incumbent on us. Doubtless, this must be serious question. This most serious question demands the attention and the efforts of others. Um, hold on now, I have to see something here. Okay, it demands the attention and the efforts of others besides ourselves. To wit of the rulers of the states, of employers of labor, of the wealthy, age, of the working classes themselves for whom we are pleading. We meaning the Holy Father. But we affirm, again, every time it says we, it's the Holy Father speaking. We affirm without hesitation that all the striving of men will be in vain. It will be vain if they leave out the church. It is the church that insists on the authority of the gospel, upon those teachings whereby the conflict can be brought to an end, or rendered at least far less bitter. The church uses her efforts not only to enlighten the mind, but to direct by her precepts the life and conduct of each and all. The church improves and betters the condition of the working man by means of numerous organizations, does her best to enlist the services of all classes by discussing and endeavoring to further, in the most practical way, the interests of the working classes, and considers 
that for this purpose recourse should be had in due measure and degree for the intervention of the law and of state authority. Beloved, there's one authority, and that's God, and the authority that God sets up in the government over us, that God sets up. It must be first of all recognized that the conditions of things inherent in human affairs must be born with, for it is impossible to reduce civil society to one dead level. Socialists may in that intent do their utmost, but all striving against nature is in vain. There naturally exists among mankind manifold differences of the most important kind. People differ um, in capacity and skill, health, strength, and unequal fortune is a necessary result of unequal condition. Such inequality is far from being disadvantageous either to individuals or to the community. Social and public life can only be maintained by means of curious kinds of capacity for business and the playing of many parts. And each man, as a rule, chooses the part which suits his own peculiar domestic conditions. As regards bodily labor, even had man never fallen From the state of innocence, he would not have remained wholly idle. But that which would have then been his free choice and his delight become afterwards compulsory, and the painful expiation for his disobedience. Quote, Cursed be the earth, in thy work, in thy labor, thou shalt eat of it all the days of of thy life. That is the curse, beloved. It does not stop us from being individuals made in the image of God uh, and worthy of respect um, with great dignity um, and um, for us to have the freedom of the sons of God. Pope Leo says, in like manner, the other pains and hardships of life will have no end or cessation on earth, for the consequences of sin are bitter. The consequences of sin are bitter and hard to bear. And they must accompany man so long... They must accompany man so long as life lasts. To suffer and to endure, therefore, is the lot of humanity... Let them strive as they may. No strength and no artifice will ever succeed in banishing from human life the ills and troubles which beset it. If any there are who pretend differently, if any there are who pretend differently, who hold out to a hard-pressed people the boon of freedom from pain and trouble, no such thing, beloved, and undisturbed repose and constant enjoyment, it's not real. They delude the people and impose upon them, and their lying promises will only one day bring forth evils worse than the present. 
You see, that is what, that is becoming the face of socialism today. Um, free health uh, care for all, free college for all, free this for all, free this for it, it's it's going to bring forth evils worse than the present evil. Nothing is more useful than to look upon the world as it really is, and at the same time to seek elsewhere, as we, the Holy Father, as we have said, for the solace to its troubles. The great mistake made in regard to the matter now under consideration is to take up with the notion that class is naturally hostile to class and that the wealthy and the working men are intended by nature to live in mutual conflict. That is not so, beloved. That is not so. That's why they wish a class-less society, a society without class distinction. The poor, the rich, the middle class, they don't want that. Um, There is no reason for classes to be in contact. There is no reason for that. Each class is to serve the other and and, and live in accordance with what God has given them. And Pope Leo XIII says, so irrational and so false is this view that the direct contrary is truth. The very contrary is truth. Just as the symmetry of the human frame is the result of the suitable arrangement of the different parts of the body, so in a state is ordained, so in a state, capital S, in a state, is it ordained by nature that these two classes should dwell in harmony and agreement so as to maintain the balance of the body politic. Each needs the other. Capital cannot do without labor, nor labor without capital. Mutual agreement results in the beauty of good order, while perpetual conflict necessarily produces confusion and savage barbarity. Now, in preventing such strife as this, and in uprooting it, the efficacy of Christian institutions is marvelous and manifold. First of all, there is no intermediary more powerful than religion, whereof the church is the interpreter and guardian. In drawing the rich and the working class together, by reminding each of its duties to the other, and especially of the obligations of justice. Beloved, that's God's design. Of these duties, Pope Leo XIII said, the following bind the proletarian and the worker, fully and faithfully, to perform the work which has been freely and equitably agreed upon, never to injure the property, nor to outrage the person of an employer, never to resort to violence in defending their own cause, nor to engage in riot or disorder, and to have nothing to do with men of evil principles, who work upon the people with artful promises 
of great results and excite foolish hopes which usually end in useless regrets and grievous loss. The following duties bind the wealthy owner and the employer. Now listen to this, beloved. This sounds archaic. Very few people are probably going to say that's that's archaic. This is no longer the case. Well, is it archaic? It's as archaic as God is. God is ever-present, ever-new. Not new. God is not ever-new. He's ever the same. But his truth is not ever-new. It also perdures through time. Um, nothing changes. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We may apply a truth, adopt things in different ways, but it has to be applying truth. The adaption cannot be to change truth. And so the following duties bind the wealthy owner and the employer today as in yesteryear, beloved, not to look upon their work together as their bondsmen, but to respect in every man his dignity as a person ennobled by Christian character. If you're an employee and you went to work and treated your employees with that sort of perspective and respect, you would, you would, your business would boom. If you're an employee and you went to work and treated other employees and your employers with that sort of dignity and truth and respect, you would, you would see a different world. You would see a different world. They are reminded that according to natural reason and Christian philosophy, working for gain is credible. This is they. This is um, the, um, uh, hold on, the, the employer and the employee, uh, the rich and the poor. They are reminded that according to natural reason and Christian philosophy, working for gain is creditable, not shameful to a man, since it enables him to earn an honorable livelihood. But to misuse men as though they were things in the pursuit of gain, or to value them solely for their physical powers, that is truly shameful and inhuman. Again, justice demands that in dealing with the working man, Religion and the good of his soul must be kept in mind. Hence, the employer is bound to see that the worker has time for his religious duties. You hear that, employers? You hear that, bosses? You are bound to see that religious have time um, for their, that the worker has time for his religious duties. And I've been talking about not entering a restaurant, not going shopping on Sunday, not going to an amusement park. Let the employer, let his workers be off on the Lord's Day. Um, They should do that whether we want to shop or eat out or not, but they don't because money is their goal. And as long as we're shopping and populating restaurants, they're not going to close. 
Hence, the employer is bound to see that the worker has time for his religious duties, that he be not exposed to corrupting influences and dangerous occasions, and that he be not led away to neglect his home and family or to squander his earnings. Can you imagine that in the workplace today? Can you imagine that? The world would be changed. Furthermore, the employer must never tax his work people beyond their strength or employ them in work unsuited to their sex and age. His great and principal duty is to give is to give everyone what is just. Doubtless, before deciding whether wages were fair, many things have to be considered. But wealthy owners and all masters of labor should be mindful of this, that to exercise pressure upon the indigent and the destitute for the sake of gain and to gather one's profit out of the need of another is condemned by all laws, human and divine. We'll stop there today, beloved, and we will uh, go to our first break, and we will take your calls and emails, your texts, anything on your heart. Our lines are wide open, and you're welcome to call in or text toll-free at 1-877-511-5483 or um, email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back, beloved. One of the simplest and most powerful ways to promote Catholic Radio is by displaying a Catholic Radio bumper magnet on your vehicle. Whether you drive a truck, car, or minivan, you can make a positive and holy difference. Help create awareness of Catholic Radio in your community so that other drivers will find the peace of Christ through listening. To request your free bumper magnets, please visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Promote tab at the top of our homepage. That's thestationofthecross.com, then click Promote. Thank you for your support of Catholic Radio while you travel. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com.
Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. It's good to be with you, and we have an entire half hour together uh, to take your calls, your questions, and um, I'll give you the number once again. It's toll-free at one 511 or you can email at com. We're going to take our first email from Katrina, who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I am a Catholic mother living near Sydney, Australia, uh, 100 kilometers from Sydney. My firstborn son is due to go to school next year. I have been so stressed about the decision as I do not want his innocence corrupted. I was considering homeschooling for some time, but I have chronic fatigue, hormonal issues, and three kids under five. I have my kids full-time with no help. My husband helps when he can, but he is at work. I was considering the local Catholic school or the local Christian school. I'm going in circles trying to decide which one and cannot get peace about my decision. My husband is getting very frustrated with me. Well, something's very wrong right there for your husband to get frustrated with you. It's it's not your decision. It's a decision the two of you need to make together, and you need to respect uh, each of your thoughts and doubts and work together on it. That's not a good sign at all. Um, she says, I like the Christian school as it seems more ordered and Christ-centered than the Catholic school, but then I worry my son will get confused about the Christianity taught at school versus Catholicism at home. You're right, he will. Or I worry he will be attracted to their church, which is on site at the school and closely linked. Again, he will. The Catholic school seems full of families that do not have any faith and the teachers don't strike me as very spiritual or committed in their faith. Also, the school liturgies are loud and a bit of a circus. Uh, you know, that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because it's almost to be expected in Catholic schools. It is so utterly, utterly tragic. They shouldn't even have the name of Catholic. How awful. I'm so sorry for that. She says, do you have any advice for me? I really have been very anxious and indecisive about what to do. I know of four very good private schools in our state run by good Catholic families that I would love to send my child to, but they are far away and would require us to move quite a distance. God bless. That's very difficult. And you know, dear Katrina, the part that stresses me, distresses me most about your situation is your husband's uh, poor response 
and his being frustrated with you. Uh, there's no place for that. This is a serious business. Um, I know this is going to be difficult. I will not recommend you send your child to the good Christian school. That's not Catholic. I do not recommend that. God has given you every child to raise for the kingdom and not to raise in error. So, no, you do not send them to the uh, un-Catholic Christian school. Absolutely not. Nor would I send them to the Catholic school that is so awful with the mass like a circus. I would not do that because that's not Catholicism. It's awful. Why should they believe? They won't even know their faith from that. I would not. And teachers who are not Catholic and don't know the faith and don't believe it, I would not. What's the alternative? Well, the alternative is home. I know that's going to stress you out. It already is. Um, But what I would do, there are, um, I don't know what to call them, there are groups of homeschoolers. There are um, people homeschoolers that get together and they have a homeschooling teacher. They get together in other homes where a a teacher who is homeschooling her own children, but she takes in other children and she teaches them all together. So it's almost like a homeschooling classroom. And um, I would do everything you could to check out homeschooling resources uh, where you live in Australia everything you can. Call directly, even if you make 30 calls, call the homeschoolers. Call each one. Tell them your situation. Ask them if they've faced similar things or if they have some solutions. Ask them, because it may be that one very good homeschooling mother could say, you know, there's another mother in your situation, and she sends her two children to me, and we have a little class of three. We'd, be, we'd love to have your child join us. It would be great. You never know what's, what's possible. But I would not send them to that Catholic school, which is not Catholic. It's Catholic in name. Um, and I would definitely not send them to the non-Catholic Christian school, as good it is, as it as it is. Um, but I would get on the phone. You say it's next year, so you have time. Call, look at every homeschool association, every form of assistance for homeschoolers. Um, go to, if, you, if you're not going to a Latin parish now, find the closest Latin parish and go and speak to the priest and say, what do your parents do? Because most of them probably homeschool. And you can... Um, you know, you can begin to coordinate with homeschooling parents. Um, that's that's the thought I have, but not to destroy your son. Um, he he needs to be. You say you have a good Catholic home that needs to be continued, um, even if he helps you or she. I, I the five year old. I don't know if it's a boy or girl with your children and house cleaning during the day and does schoolwork at night when your husband's home, whatever it is, it can be worked out. Okay. Um, and of course, pray to Our Lady uh, and Our Lord. And um, St. Joseph Cupertino is the patron of students. That might help. We have an email from Helena. Good morning, Mother Miriam, she says. Good morning, Helena. She said, I first found you yesterday. I listened to your podcast regarding public schools. The crazy thing was, 
I was just thinking about the school system my daughters were, are, and were in, and then your podcast showed up. A quick background about me, she says. I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic schools from kindergarten through senior year in high school. Okay, we are going to continue this, beloved, uh, after our second break, which is very short. Um, sometimes people say, why don't you shorten the emails? Why do you read such long ones? And the, the reason is because every email has a couple of hundred people in a very similar, if not the same, situation. And you help one another by not being afraid to call in or text or email your questions. You help others in the same predicament. So um, call in now. If you wish, lines are wide open. Uh, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We'll be right back. Saint Augustine of Hippo said, "The fruits of charity are joy, peace, and mercy. Charity demands beneficence and fraternal correction. It is benevolence. It fosters reciprocity and remains disinterested and generous. It is friendship and communion. Love is itself the fulfillment of all our works." On the Station of the Cross, you'll hear inspiration from the saints and learn more about our beautiful faith. If you'd like to support our programming, consider transferring stock to Catholic Radio so that we can continue sharing Christ's message of love with you and countless other listeners through our programming. Please help us in this good work of the Lord. To find out more about how you can give the gift of stock, call 1-877-888-6279. That's 1-877-888-6279. 888-6279. You can also visit us online at thestationofthecross.com. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSight in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live, and we are at the last segment of our program, but we have a good 15 minutes together, and um, 
Uh, you are welcome to call in or text or email with anything on your heart. It, it never needs to be what we are speaking about, but what's on your heart. Toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We were at the somewhat beginning of an email by Helena. and I'll read it from the beginning. She said, I first found you yesterday. I listened to your podcast regarding public schools. The crazy thing was I was just thinking about the school system. My daughters are and were in, and then your podcast showed up. A quick background about me. I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic schools from kindergarten through senior year in high school. I then proceeded to go to Catholic college. Not necessarily because it was Catholic, but because it was conveniently located for me to go at night and work during the day. I will be honest with you in saying that I strongly disliked my Catholic school education. I felt most of the nuns teaching us were very cruel. I've had issues with the church on several occasions since then and have not attended Mass in a very long time. That being said, I am faithful and pray to God, our Mother Mary, and the angels. I believe very strongly in the power of prayer. Oh, my dear, I'm going to read your email before I comment. My husband and I are married for 31 years, and we have two daughters, ages 18 and 15. We work hard and waited to have them so we could purchase a home and save money so I, I would be able to stay at home with the girls, raise them, and be there for them. This is a decision I do not regret for a second and am grateful for. We have a very average, middle-class life and feel we raise our girls to be moral, respectful people. We moved our girls from public elementary school to Catholic elementary school when they were in sixth and third grades. We did this specifically because of the reasons you were discussing in your podcast about the public school system. I considered homeschooling, but worried they would not have the social exposure needed to grow. I even felt a bit snobby because I felt I was being judgmental to parents were not married, or who had children with different fathers, etc. However, seeing what was going on in the classrooms, I just knew I didn't want our girls to grow up in that atmosphere, being exposed to things my husband and I did not agree with. Hence, we moved them to the Catholic school, which was significantly better. Then our older daughter went in, went to the public high school. She graduated last June. She basically just went to school and looked forward to graduating. She had problems with some bullying during her four years and had no patience for the LGBTQ kids and club in the high school. She was really annoyed when they decided a bathroom to gender neutral, when they dedicated a bathroom to gender-neutral students. She knows from our teaching at home and our faith that gender-neutral is not a thing. It's such a fine line to draw on how to teach your children. 
we certainly don't want our kids to be to be judgmental or mean to others that are different from them. However, so much has gotten out of hand, especially in the schools. The public school system tiptoes around these kids, and everyone else has to embrace their lifestyle. Finally, my question. Our 15-year-old just started sophomore year. She was so shy in grammar school, and she has finally become more social and has made friends who honestly seem nice. I don't want to take that away from her. However, I fear that the system is feeding these kids. My husband says as long as we keep a strong family bond at home and keep talking to them about what is right and wrong, she will be fine. I am torn as to what to do. On top of that, add the violence in the American schools and the constant threat of school shootings. I just want to keep her home. I know I cannot protect them from everything, but sending kids to school is nerve-wracking in these trying times. I purchased the book you suggested and can't wait to receive it in the mail. Well, um, you said finally my question, but you didn't really ask a question. Um, You're torn what to do about your 15-year-old. I... uh, I don't know why. She's 15, which means in her sophomore year, I'm guessing she's in high school, no? And uh, I would put her back in a Catholic high school. Easy. Uh, Easy. I would put her back in a Catholic high school. Um, Let's see. You said at one point you did send your children to Catholic school. Um and then to public school and high school, I would put her back into a Catholic school. Uh, It's good that you have a very strong family at home. There's no question about that. Um, We were raised in a very strong, moral Jewish home, ourselves, Jewish home, but still, uh, we went to public school our whole time. We also went to uh, Hebrew school, but we went to public school. And... um, the schools were decent. Were, did all the children keep our values and morals and behave as our parents would have had us? No, but it was a different world then. If we were going to school, public school then, um, and it was uh, plagued with evil as it is today, uh, my par- I don't know where my parents would have sent us, but not there. I don't know what she would have done. I don't know what my parents would have done. I cannot tell you that. But not sent us into the den of iniquity. So at all costs, your husband is right that you need to keep a strong family, and that will be the basis of your children's moral character and security as people and as a family. But I would not send them to public school. I would do anything I could to get her out of there. But I want to mention something to you, dear one. Um, Helena, I'm sorry that you had such a rough time as a young girl in Catholic school and that the nuns who taught you were so cruel. I believe you 100%. Um, However, 
you say that you've had issues with the church on several occasions. I don't know what the issues are. I don't know if they're doctrinal issues or not. Um, if they are infallible teachings of the church, then you have a problem uh, because you set yourself up against God's truth. If there's anything else, <clears throat> I don't know what it is, and I don't blame you for having issues, but you say you have not attended Mass in a very long time. And that being said, I am faithful and pray to God, our Mother Mary, and the angels. I believe very strongly in the power of prayer. Um, you are not a Catholic. You are not a Catholic. If you leave the church, if you do not attend, Catholics, Helena, are required to go to Mass every Sunday. It is a mortal sin not to go to Mass. It's hard for me to think you don't know that. For a sin to be mortal, it has to be grave, which not going to Mass is. And it needs, you need to know it's a grave sin, and you need to be missing Mass of your own free will. It sounds like you're missing it of your own free will. I can't imagine being Catholic and not knowing it's a grave sin, the Church's um, uh, unfailing teaching. And if you didn't know it, dearest one, you know it now. And so if you continue to not go to Mass, you are in mortal sin, which means you're not Catholic, and you will not be in heaven when you die because you are living in mortal sin. Now, if you go to the bishop and you say, I'm not going to Mass, I absolutely renounce my Catholic faith. I do not believe Jesus founded the church. I do not believe that the Eucharist is his body, blood, soul, and divinity. I no longer believe these things. I renounce my faith. Then you are saying absolutely you're not Catholic. And I'm not suggesting you do that. But you will be in a better state, if that's the case, than not doing that, than claiming to be Catholic and not going to Mass and not raising your children Catholic. You are not being faithful. If you were Protestant, you could say you're being faithful because you believe in the power of prayer. You know, there are Protestants who also pray to Mary and the angels. Martin Luther, uh, um, John Calvin, uh, Zwingli, they loved the Blessed Mother. They always prayed to her, and they were Protestant. There are Protestants today who love Mary, and they pray to her, but they're not Catholic, and they pray to the angels. They believe that. They believe in the power of prayer, but they don't claim to be Catholic. If you claim to be Catholic, you claim to be a part of the church our Lord founded, which he promised to lead into all truth till the end of time, and against which the gates of hell will not prevail. And if you singly decide to not go to Mass on Sunday, to not bring your family to Mass, you have turned from God you are in mortal sin, and should you die, beloved, you are not in heaven. You are not in heaven. You are a Protestant in the Catholic Church, and you will not, you are not on the road to heaven. And I don't know if your husband is the same, but if he is also Catholic and not going to Mass, he's in the same situation as you are. If you've baptized your children Catholic, and you're not taking them to Mass, and you're not raising them in the Catholic faith, you are committing a crime. You are committing, you are abusing your children and sending them to hell. 
I know that's strong language. You may not, probably won't ever email me again, but that's the teaching of the church. So you need to know what the church is, and you need to either leave it, uh, or you need to be Catholic. But you need, if you're going to be Catholic, you need to find out what the church is. You need to have a good, solid, sincere, deep confession and let the priest restore you to the grace of God, your husband also, and your children also. You say you're living an average middle-class life. We're not called to do that as Catholics, to live an average middle-class life. We're called to give our all to God and to the proclamation of his gospel and live a fully Catholic life. Um, if you're... If your finances are average middle class, there's nothing wrong with that. But for you to have waited in your marriage to have children until you had money to buy a home that you can homeschool them is is against the Catholic faith. We must be open to life. So many, many things, Helena, are, are seriously wrong about what the life you've lived as a Catholic. If you were writing in as a Protestant, I would understand your every word as a Catholic um, you have been in serious sin on numerous counts, and you either just need to decide to stay Catholic um, and to go to confession and learn what the church is or to leave the church. I don't want you to leave the church. If you get huffy and you get angry and you say, forget it, I'm not Catholic, then we'll find a different religion. Of course, you're free to do that, but you are leaving Christ. There's only one church he established. It's the Catholic Church. There's only one church in which he gives us his very body, blood, soul, and divinity. It is the Catholic Church. And if you leave it, you're in it. It's your home. You're in it by grace. If you leave it by your own rebellious and ignorant free will, um, God will let you go. God will let you go. And you might be one in Romans, no, rather Matthew chapter 7, who knocked on the door of heaven and Jesus said, I never knew you. And you'll be absolutely shocked and you'll say, "What, Lord, we raised a moral family. We raised two wonderful children. We kept, we kept the moral law. We, we prayed to Mary. We prayed to the angels. We, we did all this. What do you mean? We did good things. We, and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you because you're doing your own thing outside of the church he established, you will not submit to his authority. And so you have put yourself outside, and therefore he will not know you. It's very, very serious, beloved. I pray that your response won't be anger, but maybe a little fright that you could go to a very good and holy priest and let him guide you in the right way. God bless you all, beloved, and we'll speak with you in the morning.